0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church podcast. You are listening to Rooted by Eric Platt, where Eric is going through his life experiences, wounds of his own heart, and the ways that the Spirit of God has healed those things from an understanding of the grace message. If you would like to learn more about Grace Church or find other messages, please visit us at graceorlando.com. I want to clarify something that I said last week so that everybody understands what I was talking about. So uh, I had told you that for five years, basically I sat down for ministry. I never really shared why that happened. Okay. Um, And it wasn't anything that I did. It was God allowing it to happen. He didn't do it, but he allowed it. He works all things out together for the good. He allowed it to happen. Okay. Um, So basically, when I came from a 15-year drug addiction, um, if you know anything about drug addiction, you feel totally worthless. And I had stepped right into ministry and started doing ministry, and I started getting value from doing ministry. And I went on for many years, even after I got the grace message, for many years, that was still rooted there. And so basically, I would be doing this to get value and not from a position of I already have value. And you think, oh, well, you knew grace all those years. Why didn't you get it? I can't explain that to you, but I know different now. And so basically what I got out of those five years is that my value has nothing to do with what I do or don't do. And now I can come to you from a position where I already know I have value and I'm not trying to get value by what your opinion of me is or by what I teach whether you like it or not. I have the freedom just to be me and share freely whether you like it, you don't like it, it really doesn't matter because my value isn't coming from you anymore. Now, I appreciate, hey Eric, you're doing a great job. Everybody appreciates those things. We're not saying that that's not okay, but the value is not coming from that anymore. Another thing I said, I talked about drinking. OK? Listen, I'm more concerned about somebody feeling condemned for drinking than I am for people, oh, now I can just use this message to go do whatever I want. I care about more about those that are under condemnation and helping them get out of there by not condemning them for where they're at, but letting them know that they're loved exactly where they're at. That's why I said that. And that's all between you and God. Listen, he, Paul said, all things are permissible. Dude, I love the freedom. All things are permissible. Hey, you're under grace. You can do whatever you want. But not all things are beneficial. So that's where you got to look at things in your life and ask the Holy Spirit, is this beneficial for me? Nope, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about insecurity. If you have an insecurity, it will affect the choices that you make. It will. And so this is just building up from rejection to shame and guilt to insecurity, but it all starts with rejection. But as you work your way more up to the top, what you'll see is you get healed, fruit will start coming forth more and more. Matter of fact, Jesus said under the teaching of the gospel that the growth is 30, 60, 100-fold. So maybe you're only at 30 right now. It's okay, you got 60 and 100 to look forward to. And that's from the continued teaching of the sowing of the word. So I use the Hebrew word for insecurity. You know what I love about this? I love the Hebrew language because there's not an antagonist word for this word. So they have to put the word not in front of it. You're not secure. But they don't have a word in Hebrew to say you're insecure. <laughs> I love that language. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So they throw a knot in front of it, okay? And so, uh, so what we're gonna talk about, about insecurity, it's got three things that you need to know that he is with you, he is for you, and he has plans for you. These things that you need to understand, okay? Now, in the Greek, in the prodigal stunt story in Luke 15, 22, he says, and put shoes on his feet. Now, there's two words for shoes. There's sandalion, which is a generic shoe that everybody that's common could afford. And then there's hupodema, where it's, Somebody that has money can afford. And the whole thing is that you're fitted with shoes that secure your standing. If you just want to get a contrast to the ideas from insecure to secure. And I love it. He goes, put shoes on his feet. That's like God the Father. Secure his standing before me. Secure her standing before me. Because the standing that they have now is righteousness. You know, it all comes from righteousness. You knowing that you are righteous apart from your works is where you stand. And it says, the righteous are as bold as a lion, as I said last week. Imagine that. So uh, the first one is, uh, he's with you. Hebrews thirteen five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you had, for he himself has said... I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, what I love about this, if you read the amplified, it brings out the Greek. The double negative me is mentioned four times, three in the beginning and one at the end. So this is how it would sound. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not. So now we're going to demonstrate this. OK, I need four of my big guys to come up here. I'll be one of them, so just give me three. OK, so now, now listen. In the Greek, when it says, I won't leave you nor forsake you, Leave means abandon. Forsake means to relax my hold on you. Listen, you're not holding on to God. That whole doctrine of talking about holding on to God, that's not grace. He says, I will not relax my hold on you. Okay? Everybody grab a leg and grab... You guys, come on. It's okay. It's my wife. You can grab her. Okay? Somebody grab her arms. arms.
1: There you go.
0: Okay? Now, Kim, with all your might, try to get away. Go, Minnie, me go!
1: <laughs>
0: okay, stop.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, you guys can sit down. Thank you. All right, so the whole point is, if she can't get away from four mere men, how are any of us ever going to get out of the grasp of God? Do you know it says that he puts us in the palm of his father's hand? This is what Jesus said. And it says no one can snatch them out of it. You can't take yourself out of there and no one else can take you out of there. By the way, just so you know, if you didn't understand this, when you accepted Jesus, there's no turning back. There's no reverse button. There's no more, okay, I'm not saved anymore because I walk away from God or I do something. There's no more of that. He will not relax his hand on you. Wow. Okay. For me, Romans 8, 32. What shall we say to these things? And he gives this whole premises starting in Romans 1 that there's no more condemnation and just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming with all this amazing news. I mean, you know, God's for, uh, uh, he works all things out together for the good, all these things. And then he says, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That word who is the Greek word tis. It can also mean what can be against us. So that could be like, you know, a, a, a sickness in your body. It could be a whole bunch of different things. Who or what can be against us? And then it gives the clincher. For he did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? All in the Greek is the Greek word pas. It means all, none excluded. Listen, what you're going to get from God isn't going because of all your good works. I did many good works and I got nothing from God because I was frustrating His grace and He was trying to work through me, but I was so busy trying to make His job easier, I was frustrating it. You can frustrate the grace of God. And so uh, the word that I love spare he did not spare the word spare by the way just so you know the book of romans is the last book that the apostle paul wrote it was the last one so holy spirit seemed deemed to put it on the first one cuz it's romans and then he goes in first second corinthians and so on and so forth okay so he had learned something by the end of his life and he put it into that book of romans Okay, And what he said is he says he did not spare. It. This is all legal terminology, judicial courtroom terminology. And he said didn't spare. It. And it's the Greek word phedomahi. It means he didn't go lenient on him. What a judge. I mean, for him to treat us In this manner, we understand. But for him to treat his son, who in him was no sin, he committed no sin, and he knew no sin, but he treated him just like it would have been one of us. He didn't go lenient on him. Do you know that Jesus can never be separated from the Father because he's part of the Trinity, he's part of the Godhead. He can never be separated from the Father. But he experienced for six hours what separation from his Father felt like. He felt it. He knew what it was like to feel it. That's why when we go back to Hebrews, it says, we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Our infirmity in the Greek literally means our inability to do something. He totally gets it. And he was not spared, and he experienced what it was like to feel separated from God so that we would never have to worry about being separated from God ever again. Amen? All right, so uh, plans. Jeremiah 29, 11. This was my favorite verse through discipleship. I went through uh, the Dream Center discipleship um, for five years, actually a little less, about four and a half. And um, coming from a life where I thought it was destroyed at 30 years old and to seeing that God had a plan for me, I didn't know what it meant like the way I know what it means now, but even just the fact that he had a plan for me, I was like, there's a reason to have hope again. There's a future again. And that was my favorite verse. You know, uh, for he knows the plans that he has for me, declares the Lord, plans of good and not of disaster, of a hope and a future. By the way, hope and future is the same word, tikva, And it's a picture of a mountain peak. In other words, you get the high life now. Because Jesus took the low life we get the high life. So what happened through all this? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So the word for, uh, for plans is makashabet, And it is a picture of a beautiful tapestry and that you are a thread woven into his plan. But here's the thing. We were, we were in the tapestry of creation. And he brought us over to the tapestry of redemption. And so the one that was the white thread became red with sin. Right? He became sin so he could redeem us and buy us back and put us over here in the white thread, which is righteousness. So now you can expect the best from God because you are righteous. So... Uh, for me, this all started in discipleship, and uh, I didn't even know I was a teacher until after the first year, and uh, one of the uh, directors came to me and said, like, you're the best teacher we had, and I had the least Bible experience, because it's a gift, you know what I'm saying? It's a gift, and so... Uh,
1: yeah, I was telling my wife they
0: used to call me Amy Simple McPherson because I did all types of, uh, of uh, demonstrations with, like, object lessons and things like that in my teaching. And they're like, and by the way, if you didn't know, uh, the Dream Center, Pastor Matthew Barnett, they ended up getting Angela's Temple, which was Amy Simple McPherson's church. So he basically has that as his church now. Um, and so anyways, and then it went on step by step by step I couldn't have put it together any better. And he put piece by piece by piece and he started building my life and building my life and building my life. And I was thankful because I know I didn't deserve any of it. From there, he took me to Metro International and that's where I met my wife Kim, ended up getting married. Then I went back to the Dream Center. I became the Director of Education for all the Sidewalk Sunday School. And then after that, we went to Texas, and I became the youth pastor, became a prison pastor, uh, became an outreach pastor, all these things. You know what I mean? I mean, just doors open wide. They used to let me into one of the most religious places, which was Teen Challenge, and I would preach grace, and they would hear what I was preaching, and they still let me come back every week. (laughs) Nothing against Teen Challenge, but that's what it is. I mean, just favor. I went into the schools, the high schools, and into the middle schools and preached the gospel. They used to hold assemblies, and I had such favor that when they had a troubled kid, they didn't know how to deal with, they'd call me, Eric. Can you come in and help us with this? Because all the kids that were in our youth group, they weren't all the the you know the jocks and the cheerleaders. And they weren't all. That. We got all the kids that nobody else wanted. They were the misfits, they were the throwaways. But we believed in them and we loved them because that's what we know we came from. And then it went on and we went back to the Dream Center and and, uh, we we lived on the floor with the men. My wife lived on the floor with about 70 men out of gangs, prisons, drugs, all that. We lived right on the floor with them. And we got, uh, I counseled, but we didn't call it counseling because I'm not certified, we just called it Life Coach. I'd life coach them. They'd sign up, and I'd life coach them. Ta- I taught like two or three classes a day every, every day of the week. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just like, I mean, and just we were just sharing the grace messages. Nobody else knew what we were talking about, but the people, they got it. This is how he's put my life together. And then he brought us here for the first time. We're at a church that actually is grace-based. You know, you can call it, it's, the name of their church is Grace, but there's no grace. <laughs> You know what I mean? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, we're grace this, grace that. I went to one church when we lived in Tampa, and um, it sounded good, but something didn't sit right. You know that little feeling on the inside that some the words sounded right, but there was just something missing. So I went to their Wednesday night Bible study. I just sat and I listened, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. To even put the name Grace in your church, and I won't name the church because I I just don't want to call them out like that. But, anyways, I, I I asked some questions after the Bible study, and um, they didn't believe that there was ever a fall. They believed God made people homosexuals, and they be, they yeah they believed uh, in um, universal salvation. Thanks a lot. It's been real. Pew, never went back. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and these are just core beliefs that, that we have, you know what I mean? And it's so, um, but anyways, you know, now we finally found a church that is rooted in the gospel. And really, this couldn't be any better of a dream for us. And we've met some amazing people. Um, we love the church. Um, we love what's going on here. We love where it's going, because this church is going places. Like, it might seem the way it seems now, and that's great, but that's nothing compared to what God has for this church. And so anyways, now I wanted to give you a story, as I always do. And, uh in the Bible, we're going to talk about Gideon. Gidon in Hebrew means warrior. Gideon didn't see himself as a warrior, did he? So... Uh, basically the angel or Jesus, whichever you want. I'm not going to argue whether it's pre-incarnate Jesus or it's one of the archangels. I'm not here to argue that point with you because we could debate about that all day long. So we'll just leave that alone. He said, God is with you, mighty man of valor. That was his opening statement. God is with you, mighty man of valor. And you know what his response was? If God is with us, why? Why? Is this all happening? See, you might be in a place in your life right now that this is where you're at and this is where your story's at, and you're asking why. I mean, I know the grace message. Like, I, I don't see anything. You know, there's anything else I can do. You know, whatever, and, you're, and you're questioning. Do you know what this is? Hebrew word may. So it is a mim. Remember, Hebrew's right to left. And hey. Mim is a picture of ways that represent chaos. Hey at the end of the word is feminine, which means what comes from. So, Y means what comes from chaos. Mim, in, in the ancient Hebrew, it's a picture of waves. Wave, no, yeah, women, <laughs> <living> chaos, <laughs> Woo. It's funny, all the married men are looking down like, hey, I don't know nothing to talk about, I don't know nothing about that. So, Mim represents chaos, and hey, in, in, at the end of the word is feminine, it means what comes from chaos. So, my wife's going to share a testimony. Um, and, you know, I, I've just seen things happen. And it's like, these things ought not to be so. And you're like, why? Can I tell you, there's a chance that you're never going to understand on this side of heaven. And you don't need to understand because, in the end, you revert back to He's good. He's good. He's good, he's good, he's good. And even situations and people that look hopeless, let me tell you what, Jesus has the last word. Oh, yeah. he, he has the last word. Amen? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so basically that was the thing. Now there's a whole lot in this story. I wrote it down, it's between Judges 6, 1 and 725. I'm not going through the whole story, okay? But I'm going to go through the fleece part. Okay? Um, and so Fleece, it's so funny, this is a perfect example of how people take one word out of the Bible and make a whole doctrine around it. Listen, you do not need to do a fleece for God. He speaks to you on the inside. You don't need to have anything demonstrated on the outside for you. Now, if something happens, that's great, but you don't need to stick it. God never condoned it. He just went ahead with with whatever Gideon wanted. And Gideon's, Gideon's the one that proposed the fleece. Okay, so anyways, I don't want anybody leaving here, I need to set a fleece out to make sure, is this the man for me, or do I need to do this, or do not need it? No, he speaks to you on the inside. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, and he will abide with you forever. He's the one, and he'll teach you all things. Oof. So uh, fleece comes from a sacrificial animal that's been shaved, and they make it into a fleece. It's a picture of Jesus. Right? It's a picture of Jesus. Why? He's the sacrifice. Okay? So he had two instances. He had said, hey, listen, if the dew's on the fleece, and it's dry on the ground, I'll know you're with me. So there's, there's a Proverbs, and it basically says... Uh, that God, God's, the, the king's grace is like the dew on the grass. <coughs> okay? Proverbs 19. The king's grace is like the dew on the grass. So, that fleece having grace on it is a picture of Jesus coming to earth. Remember, they said his name should be Emmanuel. God with us. Right? God is with us. Emmanuel. And so, The first one, he found out, okay, you're with me. Then he says, next time if the dew is not on the fleece, but it's on the ground surrounding it, then I'll know you're for me. Why? Because Jesus became dry and took our spot with no favor and was judged, condemned, and punished. So, dew, favor could be all over us in the earth. And then he says, I got a plan for you go get all the men. Starts off with 10,000 down to 5,000, then to 300. Why 300? I mean, 300 men. What is that? So 300 uh, is the Hebrew letter shin. Remember, each Hebrew letter has a numeric value. So it's 300. Okay, shin, remember I told you the other week, uh, anybody know what a mezuzah is? So Jewish people leave it on the corner of their door, okay? And it's got the Shema in it, which is the most holiest prayer, and every time they go in and out, they're reminded of it, and they recite it. On it is a Shin, which represents El Shaddai. So 300 represents El Shaddai, God Almighty. Hey, listen, the next part is for all of us. Not that all this stuff isn't, but you really got to listen to this next part. So then, when time came for war, they had trumpets the 300 had trumpets which is the hebrew word shofar which comes from the death of a male ram and when you blow through it you're declaring the gospel and you know what happens when they blew through they didn't war- they didn't fight at all all they did was blow through the trumpets and what happened each of the night turned on its person next to them and they all killed each other off See, by the preaching of the gospel of the too-good-to-be-true news is what destroys the enemy in your life, not you trying to fight the enemy. Like I told you, sit under the teaching of grace all the time. All the time. All the time. You're like, Eric, I don't see you doing anything. Keep doing it. Like I shared a testimony. Ever since I worked the one job that I do at the country club, I listened to the same thing. Same number, number on the CD every time I go to work. And guess what? Now that I have deliverance in that area, just from listening all the time on a regular basis. You know what I mean? And that's how powerful the gospel is, and that's what a picture of the gospel is. like, Gideon, you have your 300, and you're not even going to need to fight. All you're going to have to do is blow through a shofar and proclaim the good news. The same thing happened with the walls of Jericho. Just in case you go back and study, it's the same situation. God seemed to have a pattern to doing these type of things. So guess what? As somebody's blowing it and you're hearing it, and as you're blowing it and you're hearing it, guess what? Things are happening. God's behind the scenes taking and working it all together for your good. So why? So that you will be a trophy of his grace for the world to see. Because I've heard this, and I still deem it true today, that the most Jesus as anybody's going to see is you. And that's not for you, oh, i got to d- be perfect and show off everything. No. You know what? If you blow it and you go back and ask for forgiveness, dude, that's like Jesus. Why? Because it's like people don't do that. We just got ran off the road to right out here in the front of the thing, and the lady looked at us, and we know we were in the right lane. And she ran us off the road, and then, oh, it's all your fault. So we didn't chase her down and beat her up. See? We're <laughs> right acting <to> like Jesus. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <sighs> Anyways, um, Kim, why don't you come up and pray, and then we're gonna, I'll give you some time for your testimony so you can share it.
1: Where I first learned this, um, the Hebrew word for why, and um, I just want to clarify for myself, that doesn't mean you can't talk to God and be real because you can be real and ask God and talk. We go through, because we can be real with Jesus, right? We can talk about whatever we're going through. So, But it's living in a constant state of why. And I have a testimony. um, About six years ago, I lost my sister to addiction. Um, It's a phone call you never want to get. And um, my sister was my best friend. And so... At that time, I was asking God why. Because I, I had, we had worked with men and women with addiction. We'd seen them delivered. We'd seen them almost die of overdose and come back. Why my sister God? You know, everybody have questions about why God? You see other people being blessed and like, where's my blessing? And so I was kind of living in that state of why. And I got a hold of a book. And I'm sure there's mixture in it now. But this particular book was uh, a lady that had lost her child. And... She believed in the healing. She had prayed. She'd even had Benny Hinn himself come pray for her daughter, and yet she still lost her daughter to brain cancer. And at that time, that book just ministered to me because she realized she was living in that state, living in it every day. And and finally the Holy Spirit just told her, there's no way I could answer you right now today and it would never, you'd never get it. You'd never, you know, and I'm not saying God took her daughter and God took my sister, anything like that. There's some things we just will not even be able to understand until we're over with Jesus in heaven and you get back beside and you see. And so at that point, the Holy Spirit just allowed me to release that question of, why did she go, God? She had young children, um, just that why. And I remember... At that point, just the healing that came of knowing, I got you. I got you. It's going to be okay. You may not understand this. You may not see this. But his presence in that moment in time became so real that it just washed away the wise. And, 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 um, and standing now today, we, we miss my sister. We love her. We're going to believe to start a rehab in honor of her. But I know now I can still pray for people and see them free from addiction. Yeah. Just like if it just, she pr- continued to pray for people to be healed even though her daughter wasn't. Yeah. Um, and that's not saying you won't see the answers, but I think just releasing that of having to know, it, it just set me free in such a way that it was awesome. So, And I would just say that, that let's just bring all of our whys to those nail-scarred hands and let him take them and he'll show you may you may not see on this earth but you may see after